Welcome to Hope for Anxiety and OCD, episode 51. I'm your host, Carrie Bach, and we are covering all types of topics on the show related to anxiety. And I have wanted to have someone come on and talk about sleep for quite some time because, as we know, many people who struggle with anxiety deal with insomnia. And this topic is especially timely for me because I was up in the middle of the night just last night having a hard time going to sleep. So I am so glad that Dr. Chuck Page, a surgeon and author of Surrendered Sleep, is here to talk with us today. So thank you for coming. Well, great to be here with you, Carrie. And I had some, I, I, I got up about three o'clock this morning too. So I, I share your pain. <laughs> <laughs> How did a surgeon come to write a book on insomnia? Well, that's kind of a convoluted story. Let me make it short. My whole adult life, I've, I've suffered with sleep issues. I mean, you know, just the regular things that people, face every every day, the things that race through our minds, our to-do list, all the woulda, shoulda, couldas of the day, and then all the things that we are anticipating or worrying about the next day. So all of those things. But on another level, my whole adult life, I've been an insomniac because I'm a surgeon. I'm on call all the time. I get called in the middle of the night, even when I'm not on call. So you know, people call me at three o'clock in the morning to say, hey, doc, what you doing? You know, just want to know that just just want to see what you were up to at three o'clock in the morning. So it's it's been really challenging for me from from that standpoint. Then on another level, I have sleep apnea. Didn't even know it. And, you know, I'm kind of one of those do as I say, not as I do doctors. I've kind of went through this process of learning myself about sleep disorder. So so it kind of hits me in a lot of different ways. And I think that's kind of one of the take home messages that I want, you know, your audience to, to really think about is that a lot of times it's not just one thing. It's it's multiple things that are hitting us as we lay our heads on our pillow. Yes, physical and mental health things that can be coming up at night. Yep. Yeah. So what scriptures have you found that speak to sleep specifically? Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of scriptures that talk about it. So, you know, it's interesting. As I began to kind of deal with this, I began to realize how much, uh, you know, the Bible has to say about sleep. Kind of funny. Most people don't think about going to the scripture with their sleep issues. But, you know, you think about it, sleep was God's idea. And one of the interesting things, you being a psychologist, I know you face this and as a, as a medical doctor, I face this. There are different worldviews out there. You think about it, no one can explain sleep. I mean, you know, from a natural, secular worldview, thinking as a, from an evolutionist, I mean, they don't have an explanation for sleep. Now, they have some very brilliantly stupid ideas that somehow, <laughs> you know, but, but, but really, but they, from that worldview, they don't have an explanation for why we go to sleep. You think about it. Uh, humans are unique because you know, we sleep about eight hours in a 24-hour cycle as opposed to elephants or giraffes or deer. I mean, they sleep about two hours. From an evolutionary standpoint, if you think about it from that worldview, if you snooze, you lose. So it's, it's really hard to explain. Now, we know from a Christian worldview that, that sleep was God's idea. And so the scriptures have a lot to say about sleep. Now, you can't look at the Bible and say, okay, here are, you know, the 11th commandment, you shall sleep eight hours. I mean, you know, and I've read some books that people say, you know, well, God's promised you a good night's sleep. And, 
there's not really any passages that say that. I mean, you have to, you know, there's not a turn to the, you know, the fourth book of sleep, and we're going to study this. You have to kind of look at the Bible on a kind of a bigger picture to really understand what it says. But the main thing is there's a lot of attitudes that emerge for the circumstances that we're facing. So, yeah, there's a ton, and I could just kind of go through all those, you know, but just beginning with the first kind of a concept. Sleep was God's idea. We were created to sleep. And I think one of the big ideas that the scriptures tells us, and it kind of fits in with the rest of our lives. One of the reasons I think that we were to sleep is because God really wanted us to turn off. You you think about the creation story. I mean, starting in Genesis 1, you know, you know, it's a funny phrase in the it says in the evening and the morning were the first day. And so it's funny, you know, we get it the other way around. We think, well, you know, the day starts when the when the sun comes up. When I get up in the morning, that's when the day starts. But, you know, from the Hebrew standpoint of, of, of the day, the day started when the sun went down. And so they began their day with rest. Hmm. That's interesting. Very different, very different perspective than the way we live in our modern culture. You know, we, right. we think, hey, you know, we turn the lights off and, hey, good night, God. I'm going to bed. I'll see you in the morning. But actually, the scriptures talk about how, you know, God never slumbers or sleeps. The 122nd Psalm, God never slumbers or sleeps, that he is just as active and working in our lives as we put our heads on our pillow. And that's one of the great things, I think, to bring in, that, that the Christian can bring in to, to rest is that, hey, whatever circumstances we're going through, God's, God's got this. So, so just kind of keeping that big idea that God is just as active. He doesn't. He doesn't go to sleep when we do. So he's still working in our lives. And I think that's one of the first things to kind of understand about who God is. Okay. I always like to say God's bigger than any problem that you're going to face today. So (laughs) now you're talking. (laughs) (laughs) We don't feel like we can handle it, but it's easy for God. He can handle anything. I know that we talked about this a little bit earlier, but worrying thoughts about our present life, sometimes just thoughts about the state of the world. Yep. It can keep us up at night. And we're taught in the Bible to pray about these things in order to receive peace from God. Have you found specific prayer practices or strategies helpful when you're awake, either having trouble falling asleep or waking up in the middle of the night? Yeah. So a couple of things. So I think we need to make whatever routine. I mean, once again, we're personal beings and we each have a unique relationship with God for the Christian. But I think beginning your day in scripture and prayer and just a time of just journaling or whatever you do, do that before you go to bed and do that in the morning and kind of sandwich your your life into sleep. And so one of the interesting things, you know, we so often the things that race through our mind and rob us of sleep, we I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but sometimes like I'll be thinking about a situation, maybe a Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, I face things every day, you know, all kinds of things. And that thing begins to pop into my mind and I pray about it as and I don't even read scripture. It seems like I pray and I give it to God. And then five minutes later, it's pop back. It's boomerang back into my consciousness. Yes. You know, and, it, and, and it really plagues. It really plagues my sleep. And so one of the things I think that we often forget is the art of meditation. You know, meditation is so powerful. You guys talk about, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, think about the good things. And but it, it's even uh, from a scriptural standpoint, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. You know, it's not an Eastern meditation where we're emptying our mind. Actually, meditation is filling our mind. It's kind of the law of replacement. So often when a when a when a when a when a competing thought 
or a wor worrying thought enters our mind, we can't just we can't just take it out of our mind because it'll 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 boomerang back into our thinking. We have to replace it, and that's where meditation comes in. And you know, for example, you know Philippians. Everybody knows Philippians chapter four. You know, talks about you know let everything in everything give prayer and in that verse, and it talks about you know if there's anything good, anything noble, anything you know think about these things. Just talking about that kind of that art of meditation and, and and i think that's so key for us you know because as you you know you show me your focus i'll show you your future and as we begin to focus on the scriptures it begins to fill our minds with the good stuff so that's part and you can even go back to the psalms for example if you think about david uh one of the, one of the psalms is the fourth psalm it was an evening psalm that david prayed when he was going through the toughest time of his life, this was when Absalom had usurped the throne and he was running for his life, crossing the Jordan River, and people were pointing fingers at him. And, you know, I mean, just multiple stuff that was robbing him of sleep. And as he goes through this process, you know, at the end, he says in Psalm 4 8, I will lay me down in peace and sleep for you, O Lord, Lord, you know, let me dwell in safety. And so this process of prayer and meditation, I think, is huge. So, hey, have you ever heard of the hippocampus? Yes, part of the so brain. So it's a part of the brain. So what's interesting, though, huh? It's not an exhibit at a zoo, okay? The hippocampus <laughs> is part of the brain. And for, for the audience, what the hippocampus does is the hippocampus takes short-term memory and embeds it into long-term memory. And so at the end of the day, our hippocampus goes to work. So as we're sleeping, the hippocampus is constantly taking all of those memories of the day and it begins to embed them in our long-term memory. And that's why it's so important that, back to your question, that we stop and we begin to process those events that have happened during the day. I mean, it's just so, it's just so simple because if we don't, instead of getting better, we're going to get better. You know, those bad experiences, because, you know, we all have this stuff. I mean, think about all the COVID stuff that everybody's dealing with now and just these experiences. And so, being able to filter them through the scriptures and, and, and be able to process them, I think, is is very healthy. You know, it talks about in Ephesians 4, I think, 26, it talks about, you know, not to give the devil a foothold, but to deal with your anger before you go to bed. So I'm paraphrasing that. But, you know, so often we have these emotions that just, man, uh, you probably never have those, Carrie. <laughs> Being a counselor, but you know, I have people mad. You know, I have people mad at me all the time. You killed grandma. You didn't do this. You didn't, you know, so, or, or you know, or something didn't turn out the way that I expected. You know, when I have a bad day, I really have a bad day. Yeah, I can imagine. And so, and so, being able to filter those things and and deal with those emotions is huge. And and, and so, you know, we we have to let the natural processes of the way we were designed work for us. And so, you know, we don't have to do much. I mean, the devil doesn't have to do much when we're when we're not we're not meditating and praying with scripture. So, uh, I guess that was a long answer to your question, but that's what I do. I try to meditate, I try to read, I try to pray, do all those things. Um Before I think that's what sleep. most people deal with. It's what we call a primary insomnia. Most people have trouble going to sleep. Okay. Okay. So what do we do for those of us that wake up in the middle of the night? Because that's my problem. I normally do not have problems going to sleep. I can just pass out. But then when it comes to, I wake up with thoughts in the middle of the great. night. So, um, yeah, well, good for you. That's great. And I, and I don't either because usually I'm so exhausted by the time I get to bed. You know, it's funny. They say uh, 
those who sleep like a baby probably don't have one, you know, <laughs> so, and having a, my, my wife and I have such different sleep habits. So I tell people I'm the best guy to see on the worst day of your life. My wife is the best person to see any day of your life. But for me, when I'm woken up in the middle of the night, one thing that I've learned to do many times when I'm kind of tossing and turning in my bed is take a step back and listen to God. Sometimes those are opportunities that God is trying to get our attention. I think most of us in the culture that we live, man, we're going so fast during the day that we don't have time to really stop and listen. And God wants to speak to us. And sometimes he has to, he has to wake us up at night to get our attention. And so, you know, you think about that, you go, go back, study uh, in first Samuel, you know, the story of Samuel, he has a little boy and he's there and he's there at the temple with Eli and he's going to sleep, you know, and God's saying, Eli, Eli, you know, he gets up and goes, you know, or Samuel, Samuel, and he gets up and goes to Eli and back this back and forth, you know, and all the time God's trying to get his attention to give him a message and he doesn't catch it. And I wonder how many times I've done that. Uh, and it's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to, to meet with God and think about what Samuel would have missed out on if he would have never stopped and heard that. I mean, that was the beginning of a series of steps that set Samuel in a direction. And so, so often when I'm waking up in the middle of the night, just kind of keeping in my mind, you know, God, are you saying something to me? And sometimes he's not. I always try to keep a journal at the bedside. Okay. Because, because you know, sometimes a, something, a thought will come into my mind. You know, it may be just a random thought or it may be something that's really something that God has woken us up to tell us. And so just to write it down and in the morning you can look at it. Another verse is Psalm 7 talks about how God ministers to us, how the Spirit ministers to us at night. And so looking at that and, and thinking about the fact that, hey, this may be just something that God just write it down. How many times, you know, we, the old saying, let's sleep on it. You know, I want to sleep on this. And mm -hmm. so often a message may be something very simp simple about either or a person. A person can pop into our mind, somebody that we haven't thought about in years. And just it may be just so, so the first thing, if you get up at night, get up and pray. Get up, you know, for, you know, just like Samuel said, uh, speak, Lord, for your servant is hearing. That's in First Samuel three. It's a good, good rule of thumb. You know, hey, God, this may not be you, but it may be. Speak for your servant is listening. You'd be surprised. And something, and even if we don't have an answer, I think those times of fellowship become very precious to us. In in the sense, we're we're not losing anything by having those times of fellowship with God at night when no one's there. Go, you can go through the Psalms. Psalm one forty eight, I think, uh, talks about how God keeps me up, and I meditate at night upon God. And, and so, just kind of thinking about that, it's a very different perspective of sleep than we get. So, it may be a divine appointment. You're correct. It's a good time to be quiet. You know, the house is quiet. There's not much going on, and you know, there aren't really a whole lot of distractions maybe that can, yep. we can't do too much. We don't want to wake up other family members. So it is a good time to sit down maybe and read or pray or sometimes yep. I will get up and write and I'll just type whatever's on my mind. And it's kind of a, a brain dump in the middle of the night. And I wonder if, you know, I'm not, it's some of those things maybe that I didn't take the time or have the chance to process. Sometimes things happen, you know, in the evening, like right before you go to bed. And sometimes that can really throw me off. Sometimes on Tuesday nights, we'll have church director meetings. 
via Zoom and I'll be thinking about what our pastor was talking with us about or upcoming church things that we have going on. And I don't always have a lot of time to process that before I go to sleep. So I think I end up now waking up talking. in the middle of the night. <laughs> I, I think everybody listening to this is going, yep. <laughs> yep, yep, I get it. So one of the things you brought up, Carrie, that I think is very important is journaling. Mm -hmm. and, and so I didn't really realize this, but this the, this book that I wrote about sleep was really, I mean, you know, I really thought I was writing it for other people, but really, in a sense, I was writing it for myself. It was my own way of dealing with the spiritual component of sleep. And, I've, and I'm realizing that, too, you know, uh, with the rest of the books that I'm writing. I mean, really, it's journaling is a way that helps us process the events that are in our lives that I, th I think is so productive. And I, if, if, you know, if anybody in your audience has never tried journaling, get up and write, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what just a little bit of introspection and thinking will do. You end up being surprised at what comes out a lot of times. One time I realized, oh, wow, I'm worrying about something that's way in the future that I don't have any control over. I was like, well, that's not even close to where I'm at today. That's really an opportunity for me to let that I go. I resemble that statement, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> you have lots of worries about the future. Don't we all? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So how can, because your, your book is called Surrendered Sleep. So for people that I mean, we have a hard time sometimes letting go of control. Let's be honest. We want to <laughs> we want to try to control things that we don't have any control over. That obviously creates a lot of anxiety. Yep. How how do we surrender that over to God and not just pick it up five minutes later? Wow. That is one of those million dollar questions that I think we all struggle with, Carrie. You know, I think surrender is a process, you know. You know, pastors, it's easy to go, or oh, just surrender, you know, but as I was thinking about that, it, it really is a process. It's a stepwise process. It is an attitude, I think, that we have to embrace, you know, this concept of surrender, even as a surgeon, because I'm a control freak, because even, you know, in the operating room or patient, just the smallest thing can make a huge difference. And so, and it's really hard to realize that oh, control is just an illusion from an earth, earthly standpoint, you know, and so realizing that. You know, we, we've got to, we, we, you know, but if we if we do yield, God, God's grace begins to empower us to be able to, to work more according to his plans and just, uh, you know, just releasing the outcome into what what God wants. So. So, yeah, surrender is huge. And it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's a I think it's a lifelong process that we that we go through. But, you know, once again, I think we were created. I think it's just a reminder every day that we were God created us to surrender. You know, that's what sleep is about. It's just, it really is. We have to let go and, you know, let God do for us what we can't do for ourselves. What a picture of grace. Yeah. You know, it's not saying not to minimize our responses, but yet to understand that we let go, God's going to do some great things. And so that's what I, I've learned. You know, that's what my book is about. It's just really, you know, changing focus. When you show me your focus, I'll show you your future. And so if we focus on so often we think about sleep, we think about, oh, man, it's 11 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning, I can't sleep, and I've got all this stuff to do tomorrow. And man, the, the, the meal in our mind just starts working, and we begin to worry, and we begin to meditate, we, you know, meditate on our fears and stuff. And, but if we change focus and we, and we focus on our relationship with God, it doesn't mean that God's going to promise a good night's sleep, but He will give us, we have to trust His sovereignty that even if we wake up and we're tired and we're exhausted, God's still got that. 
I mean, God's still going to give us the energy that we need to do the things that he wants us to do the next day. And just kind of so having good. that bigger picture understanding of, of God's grace and his work in our lives. I think you do bring up a good point there because we get stressed out after we've been awake for a little while in the middle yep. of the night or after we can't go to sleep. Then we're whatever we stressed about before. Now we're stressed about not sleeping, you know, and <laughs> oh, I'm only going to. Yeah. Oh, I'm only going to get five hours. You know, I'm only going to get four hours. I've got to I've got to just try to go back to sleep this last hour before the alarm clock goes off and you get real trippy about it. So that that definitely happens to a lot of people. But I'll tell you something, uh, and that's the thing about surrender. Surrender sometimes means that we sacrifice our sleep to help other people. And so, and I have to do that a lot. I have to get myself up out of bed and go and, you know, go to the hospital or answer a phone call or whatever. And so having that attitude that, hey, Lord, whatever tomorrow brings, your grace is going to be sufficient to help me through that. And just keeping that perspective has really helped me a lot. Well, we'll definitely put uh, links in the show notes to your website and your books and where people can find find out more information if they want to get the book. So at the end of every podcast, I ask our guests to share a story of hope, which is a time where you've received hope from God or another person. Well, I want to, thinking about this, Carrie, I, I just want to just leave you with a personal story. So, you know, I've been practicing surgery for 26 years. I'm 54 years old and I've seen a lot of changes in medicine. And I'm an, it's kind of funny. I'm becoming one of those old dinosaurs, you know. <laughs> so anyway, so, you know, as health care has really changed in the past 10 years, I can't say that I've always responded in the most positive ways. I'm, you know, a lot of bitterness, a lot of things, just a lot of stuff, you know, Sure. because there's the way things should be and the way things are. And I think we all live with those kind of that tension mm -hmm. in our lives. And, you know, once again, that's something that keeps us up at night sometimes. But just realizing as I'm going through a different season of life that I had to make some decisions about my lifestyle. And really the biggest breakthrough I've had in the past couple of years is changing my lifestyle. I had to stop taking call at the hospital. And as a surgeon, a lot of your a lot of the ways you value yourself is how much work you do in the hospital. And so, but it was a real step of faith for me is that I had to say, okay, God, I'm just not a 30-year-old guy anymore that can stay up three days and deal with stress and pressure. And so as I began to say no to a lot of things and stop being a doormat to the hospitals, and I know that sounds crazy, but as in my job as a rural surgeon, I mean, they call me for everything. And so in taking a step back and letting go of some things, my sleep has gotten so much better because, like I said, it's multidimensional. You know, as I'm getting less calls from the hospital at night, I'm sleeping better. And then I'm able to focus on my on my on my weight and my health and my diet and I'm losing weight and I'm feeling better. I'm exercising. I come home at night and my wife says, who are you? <laughs> the guy I'm married. <laughs> you know, so, I'm, you know, so and, and so thinking about this, we live in this crazy nanosecond culture that's constantly barraging us. And so getting back to the way that we were designed and created and getting in line with God and cooperating with God, I mean, I mean, it's it's not anything big. It's not like a laser beam of, you know, Holy Spirit power help me and you know, but just Man, making some decisions to say, hey, this is just unhealthy. 
and at this season of life, I just need, and you know what's funny is that God has provided for my family. I mean, I'm busier now and I'm not going to the hospital doing outpatient surgeries. And, and man, I just, I handle stress better. I handle people better and problems better. You know, I, you know, it's just my whole life has just changed. I feel like I have a new lease on life and I'm, and I'm a better doctor now, I think, than I was two years ago because I was, I was so overwhelmed. And so what I want to encourage your audience to do is to think about those things in their lives that they really need to change because, you know, so often sleep is just a symptom of a deeper problem and a deeper issue that's going on in our lives. We didn't even touch about medicine, about the medical problem, medical aspect of this, but go get, go get checked. I mean, you may have a med, you may have a sleep disorder, but sure. Just, Keep in mind that, you know, sometimes that we focus on the little the symptoms and not on the deep root causes. And so for me, it's been a big just a change in my lifestyle, which has a real spiritual component, has made a world of difference. And I'm sleeping better now than I ever have. You know, and, and I wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You know, do as I say, not as I do. But, you know, I, you know, I wrote the book and, and you know, and, and I didn't realize that it was just something so simple in my life that I needed to change. And it was an aspect of like we've been talking about. It was an aspect of surrender saying, okay, God, you've got this. I've got to let go of this. I can't do this like I did 20 years ago. And, and so I think for me, that has been the biggest thing. And I want to encourage people to just take time and reflect and think about those things that maybe that God doesn't want them to do. You know, and we just pile so much on our plate. Yes. We have no margin. And I think so many of our, our problems are self-induced. That's what I'm learning is that, you know, is that um, I can let go. The old saying, a clean conscience makes a soft pillow. You know, as you make those decisions, and this is one of our attitudes of a wise heart, make those decisions in your daily life, you set yourself up for better sleep. I think that that's excellent really evaluating what we have on our plate and do we need to have everything on here and, you know, asking God, okay, I feel like I'm doing too much. Which of these things can I let go of or take off my plate? And that is a, a step of faith for us because we're so used to doing so much often. I think that that's great advice for people to, to evaluate. So I know that you told me before we hopped on here that you have some videos on YouTube and that people can learn more about these practices. And so we'll put some links in there in the show notes as well. Thanks for coming on and sharing with us your wisdom in between uh, procedures here. Carrie, it's been fun. <laughs> Good. Hope for Anxiety and OCD is a production of By the Well Counseling in Smyrna, Tennessee. Our original music is by Brandon Mangrum. Until next time, may you be comforted by God's great love for you.